Welcome to The Code, your guide to health and human performance. I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Fix from Physio Room, a performance-based rehab facility here in Denver. On this podcast, we're going to explore the key areas of your life that impact your overall health and wellness, from sleep hygiene and stress management to nutrition, movement, relationships, and more. We bring you conversations with industry experts and top performers to share strategies they have for cracking the code on health and human performance. Now let's get to today's show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Code. Again, I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Fix from Physio Room. And today we're joined by Kristen Jones. Uh, So Kristen is a sports performance specialist at Elite Speed here in Denver, Colorado. And then she also owns her own remote coaching online fitness business uh, called Fit and Fuel. Kristen, thank you so much for coming in here to Physio Room and joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's good to be here. Love your facility. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. We're fortunate in this office. Um, you know, inside of, we've had Tristan Mitchell, the owner of Lion's Den Strength, Mobility and Performance on here uh, several episodes back, but um, this facility is amazing. I mean, it's in a basement, which is very fitting for the name Lion's Den, yes. but like the space that we have is is so cool and the coaches we get to spend time with. So yeah, we love it too. Yes. It definitely has a good vibe going. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Um, well, what I would love to do is just have you, you know, kind of like share your background. I know you're heavily involved in fitness, both coaching and personally, um, you've had your own, you know, injury stories and all this, but I would love for you just to share a bit of your background and, um, and see where that takes us in the conversation. Okay. Sounds good. So, um, yeah, so I've been very involved in sports my entire life. Grew up here in Colorado, um, went to high school here locally, but played sports growing up, um, soccer and tennis, um, and a little bit of everything, grew up skiing, um, as a young kid, so very active family, um, went on to play college tennis. So at the University of Oklahoma, got a scholarship to play division one college tennis. So had that experience, awesome. very grateful for that. Um, it was just really, um, you know, challenging, but, but a lot of fun and really neat, um, experience and culture, a huge, you know, sports school. So had that experience. Um, and, uh, so kind of have always been very involved in sports and fitness, but, um, you know, I, I, uh, after post post college, I got like a normal job and I've worked in marketing, did the business thing, uh, co- corporate marketing, worked for Starbucks, went out to Seattle okay. and did a bunch of work out there. So kind of had the, the typical corporate job and it was very different from what I did, you know, with sports and always stay involved. I was always interested in fitness and kind of took that to uh, just recreational level and did marathons and iron, uh, not Ironmans, not Ironmans, yeah, uh, <laughs> triathlons um, and kind of always stayed active. Yeah. So I've always been very active. Um, I've got through, I'm married, I have three kids. They're all very involved in sports. So that's always been yeah. a big part of, part of our lives. So how, how old are your three kids? So I've got 15 13 and 10. Yeah, it's always a quiz, right? When someone's like, <laughs> puts you on the spot. Don't ask me how... birthday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, someone asked me that. I don't have children yet, but we do have two awesome Maine Coon cats. Oh, yeah. And it's crazy to think they're almost six years old now. Um, yeah. Someone asked me the other day, and I had to like, you know, count back on the counter right. in my head, like, huh, how old are they? Um, I married into having those cats. It's oh, okay. see what happened, okay. but they're, they're wonderful. So now you need a dog to add to the mix. Yeah, yeah. Stir and, things up a little and bit. You know, that's the thing. We, we have our, our first house, my wife, Erin, and I, and we own a townhome. So we don't have a yard. And that's the only thing that's really holding us back from like getting a dog. Oh my, my wife does do some traveling for work at this time. So, you know, between her her traveling and my hours and the no yard part, we're like, uh, you know, maybe yeah, we should wait to get the dog. We do really want a dog, though. Yes. Um, we both would love that. Um, yes. Well, I want to touch on um, a little bit of, you know, you said you were fortunate enough to get a scholarship to go play college tennis. Um, was that like the first, you know, sport or fitness related thing that you kind of got into as a kid or like, how did you get into to playing tennis? To tennis. Yeah. So I started kind of did a little bit of everything as a kid, you know, parents put in all the things, yeah. you know, the summer activities, tennis um, in the summer, we did swim team, a little bit of everything. And I always enjoyed competing and I always yeah. enjoyed sports. Um, I, I asked my dad recently um, this question, like, when did you know that I was like, really, you know, like, good, you yeah, know, yeah. or, or even like just mentally tough. And he's like, you know, about the age of nine or 10 is when you really cared, 
Like you really wanted to win. Mm -hmm. And so, and I really see that in a lot of athletes we work with, because, you know, from age nine or 10, all the way up through high school and then on to college. Um, but really that age is when they really kind of click for them, um, where they really care. And because some kids are very naturally competitive. I was one of those um, yeah. as well. You probably were too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. Still, still am. Yeah. It's kind of, still it's a big, sticks uh, with, yeah. I'm still very much a competitive kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Just yeah. always kid at heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think yeah, that's how I got into it. And then, you know, um, I just started doing well where I was, you know, I started doing really well in the neighborhood tennis and I started doing really well at the state level and then really well at the national level. And it's just little steps like that, yep. you know, and that's exactly what I tell parents who are like, I want my kid to play in college. I'm like, well, how are they doing where they're at? Like, are, yeah. they, are they winning? Are they, are they excelling there? Like focus there. And when you're like, you're really competing there, then move on to the next level. Like, yeah. you know, have that strategic goal, but like, win where you're at, you know, yeah. do your best there. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, back to that competitive piece, like how I got into um, sports initially when my parents signed me up for like soft youth softball, t-ball, and then uh, football organized tackle football was the first thing that, yeah. that I played. Um, you know, I was just like throwing the ball basically to myself because I have two younger siblings that I grew up with in the house. Um, but I was basically like throwing the ball to myself, the football in the backyard. I would throw the ball it would bounce off the roof of our shed in their backyard. And then I would like go dive and catch it in the backyard. Yes, yeah. totally. And, um, you know, occasionally I would, a ball would go over the fence or something that I would throw or hit or whatever. And that's kind of how through my mother talking to a friend at work, that's how I got signed up for football is because she said something about, yeah, Andrew's always, you know, we're playing catch and then he like throws the ball too hard and it goes over the fence. <laughs> and her her, her uh, coworker was like, well, I'm starting a youth football team and we could use a quarterback. Oh so it um, sounds like he has that, a good that's arm. How that's, that's how I got in the football. I love it. Um, and then, you know, the rest is history. But um, yeah, yeah, I've been pretty competitive, just like you said. And then, you know, through, I think since I've been done playing like organized sports in college and stuff, I've probably tried to dial back the competitiveness just a little bit so that I could feel, um, I don't know, like not as upset or not as like um, irritated if I didn't perform as well right. as I wanted to. That's thing. a tough one. Cause yes. I used to get really mad if, you know, I didn't do something as well as I was expecting or hoping to, it yeah. used to really tear me up. So. That's definitely like a double-edged sword, right? The competitiveness and really wanting to be and perform well, and then not being too hard on yourself, yep. and, you know, taking the joy out of the sport. Mm -hmm. We see that happen a lot. So yeah, exactly. And um, so it sounds like that didn't happen to you. I see that happen a lot of times to, to kids um, as they're growing up, they're like so focused on their particular sport and it starts to almost feel like a job mm -hmm. and some of the like enjoyment and true, just like happiness of it kind of goes away and it starts to feel more like work yeah. than it does, you know, like, like play. Right. Absolutely. And that's a really good point. And that's why I always encourage like kids to play lots of sports, mm -hmm. you know, and really up until high school, I played everything, you know, and even through college, I still have stayed involved in many things, not only because our body needs to, you know, as it's growing, yeah. we don't want that pattern overload, you know, the same throw and the same forehand, like we need to do other sports and move our bodies in different ways, but also just for that level of burnout um, yeah. where you're right, where you see, and I always tell parents, I'm like, do, or kids don't ever lose the love of the game like mm -hmm. when you start losing the love of the game like take a step back you know like reevaluate what, what you're doing your training yeah. schedule like what do we you know and really it comes down to like quality training and practice over quantity like yep. really put your all into that that hour that day and maybe you don't need to train every day for six hours like really put your full effort into that time I find that is probably true for all of us like in our training yeah I think you know I've heard um you know, you hear that phrase out there, like practice makes perfect type of thing. I don't necessarily believe that because if you're practicing and you're just going through the motions, yeah. not really being intentional and you're just kind of there, just, you know, punching the time clock type of thing, or just checking boxes like, yep, I yeah. practiced today, yeah. but you weren't really like, you know, fully invested in yes. that training session. It's, it's probably not as helpful as it could be. Like you just said, you could probably train less, be more intentional while you're doing it. And you probably get more out of it. Yeah, no, that's true. That's actually, that reminds me, I listened to a podcast, you know, Kurt Warner. I do know Kurt Warner. Yeah. So what a great story, right? Mm -hmm. the, like the underdog. I actually, there's a movie out, but I have not seen it yet. I, I 
I need to. In correction, um, when I say I know Kurt Warner, I don't know him personally. personally. I know who <laughs> I know who Kurt Warner is, right. and watched a lot of football of him growing up. So. so it's such a cool story, and like we all love the story of the underdog, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he, his whole story, and I, I can't remember the exact details, but I think he sat the bench in college, and not even like a Notre Dame college, like Iowa or some a smaller college. Yeah. But anyway, um, and I remember he, he said in this interview that you know he asked his coach finally, or maybe he had somebody, a teammate, ask the coach why am I not playing? Like I'm better than these guys who are playing. And the coach responded, like, you're not practicing well, like you're not playing well in practice. Yeah. Like, and, and that was like, he was like, I need to perform high at a high level of intensity and mentally and physically in practice to prove myself. Like yep. I can't just, they can't just think I'm great. And I, they put me in there. Like I got to prove it in yeah. practice. And I tell the kids, we train that all the time. I'm like, this practice is practice for your performance. Mm-hmm. Like if you're not here focused and putting your effort, your full effort into this mentally and physically, like you're not going to perform well. Yeah. So that's just like an interesting point about how yeah. we can overdo, but going through the motions mm-hmm. instead of intent. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Intent is so important. Um, well, I would like to dive, dive into like what you're doing right now, either at elite speed and fit and fuel. Like um, you said, you went out to Seattle, you were doing corporate marketing stuff with Starbucks, but like, how did you get into fitness and like health and wellness as a career path? Like how, how did that journey start? For you? So that's a great question. Um, and it's a very specific time frame. We all have our COVID stories, right? Yeah, like we all have yeah. our, like, some people are like, I got the dog, we got the trample, like we have whatever. Um, so my story, um, so I had, you know, yeah, the corporate career and, and obviously still stayed involved in athletics, recreation, still trained and all of that, yeah. but it was not, and I never, never actually thought I would make a career out of um, health and fitness. And this is why, and I, and I think that we um, align on this is that I always thought it was like this transactional thing. Like I'm a trainer, here's a workout, or I'm a nutritionist. Here's a a meal plan. See you next Tuesday. Good luck. You know? And like, for me, I'm like so much more relational than that. And I really, that, and I know you guys operate the same way. Like it's Mm -hmm. not just where we're going in and for an hour, you're seeing somebody and, and see you next time. Good luck. Um, it's just, there's so much more to it than that. Yeah. So it, backing up to, um, to COVID, you know, this crazy time when, um, you know, everything's shutting down, we're all like, what is going on? Um, I had a, like a broken foot at the time. So I was in a boot mm-hmm. and um, all the gym shutdowns where all, right. all us fitness people were like, wow, what do we do? So I set up a little um, workout area on in my backyard with like a couple dumbbells and some stacked some bricks from the backyard just like total you know yeah, prison make, yard gym make do with what you've got yeah that, right yeah yeah um adapt we learned to adapt but um anyway i kind of got involved um a little in a like online challenge uh fitness challenge and i sort of went, got into this and really took a leadership role in this time and really the, there was this this thing going on with parents and we were homeschooling our kids at the time. It was everything shut down was crazy. Um, And it seemed like this narrative out there for, for women anyway, was like, you know what, this is really hard for us. Like, just take it easy. Like, drink a bunch of wine and watch the tiger king and just like check out and i, and I was like nothing against the t- i mean if you it i know people it's if you like that show it's fine but i was just <laughs> like i didn't feel like that was like my that was going to be my story that it was like yeah. we're just going to check out during this time and so yeah. i felt like called up to something more and so honestly like all of our kids sports were canceled literally this was a huge moment I walked to the park with my kids and there was yellow tape around the the slides, around the swings, caution tape. And I was like, this, I got to do something about this. So I started this training kids in my backyard. I started getting my own kids and whoever was available. And we would meet Wednesday mornings because I think they were, they were homeschool and we had all this time. Right. And we would train in my backyard and kind of around the park. And I just pulled cones and stuff. And I knew kind of, I knew fitness and I knew, you know, sports and um, we'd start training and it grew and grew and grew. And so all of a sudden I had you know, triple the amount of kids. And we met consistently every week through COVID. And I was like, I love this. Like, and kind of at the same time, I started connecting with um, people in the online coaching, remote coaching um, area and realizing that like, I have a lot of skills um, from my sports experience that I have to offer that can help people, you know, and this is a time when people are struggling big time, mentally, physically, we are overwhelmed. Like there's a lot of mental health issues. Our kids aren't able to be active. So anyway, it kind of all started in that time. So um, that's my story. And so kind of using all my background um, for this moment 
of time when I felt really called to to start to do something about what was happening. Yeah. So that's how it started. I, I love it. It's it's sounds like one of those, you know, when life hands you lemons, you make lemonade type of situations where obviously all of us were kind of blindsided by COVID. Yeah. And I remember um, my wife and I were living in the um, area right around Kansas city when it started. And then we moved here to Denver in the end of May, like Memorial day time. Okay. So like coming up on two years that we've been here in the Denver area, yeah. but I remember going on some walks um, and seeing the same thing as you, like we're walking past this park. It, there are signs up that say like, no, you can't use the park. There's, you know, caution tape and all this stuff. And it just frustrated the heck out of me because yes. one, we're like, we're outside. Um, and, you know, when everybody was being told, you know, not to congregate indoors and all this stuff, like, okay, so where's more safe to be than outside where there's fresh air and the breeze blowing and all this stuff. And I know the, um, the benefits of movement and physical activity from a mental health perspective. Yes. And I was like, well, you're, you know, you're taking away something that could help people in a time where they're already struggling, yes. you know, we're not able to communicate and have like interaction with each other. Um, and then you can't even like go to the park, to the park. And, and hang out yeah. like outdoors when you're spaced far away from each other. And you're, yeah. you know, what are kids supposed to do? What are parents supposed to do? So yeah, I think that, I think that's awesome that you were like, okay, well, what are we going to do? We're going to start, start training in the backyard and invite people who want to yeah. come. And it sounds like if you build it, they will come. Yeah, that's exactly what, but I didn't have like a plan. I was just like, this feels like the right thing to do right now. Mm-hmm. Like our kids need to move and they're trapped in front of a computer watching zoom classes all yeah. day like they need to move and yep. get outside so it just kind of happened very organically that way um and that grew so i kind of had this this uh training this youth i called it youth wednesday morning youth training the, that was the name of it um and then i built fit and fuel yeah. um and kind of within that was the, this remote coaching i was doing because people were not able to connect. We weren't able to go to gyms. We yeah. weren't able to. So I was able to reach people through yeah. social media and through this remote, you know, lots of videos. Yep. Um, I got very comfortable doing videos and then my youth training. So it kind of all became fit and fuel. And that kind of is, you know, fitness, nutrition kind of all in one. So yeah. this all happened during that time. And I kind of feel like I'm, wow, I'm really, this is new for me, but also I've been doing this my whole life. This mm-hmm. is like all been building up to this, you know? Right. So, and then like, you know, six months or a year later, um, I got hired on with elite speed, which was awesome and feel very blessed and grateful to be there because I'm surrounded by really amazing group of trainers and very intelligent people in the world of sports performance and physical therapy and all of that. So, yeah. And like, like you said about the, you know, comfort of doing videos and just trying to provide, um, knowledge and information that you have to other people, um, to, to try and be helpful. If you guys, um, you'll find it in the show notes and whatnot. We'll talk about it later, but like check out Kristen on social media and you'll find so much stuff that she is constantly out there trying to provide a, um, a good example or set the example, leading by example for the people that she's working with. Um, and you'll, you'll see that very clearly on, on her content, but, um, okay. So being new to Colorado, um, because of the um, you know, field that I'm in, I have an understanding generally of like what elite speed is, but maybe everybody listening to this doesn't know what elite speed is. So would you tell us about that? You started there several months ago. Um, and like, what do you guys do at elite speed and how has your, how has your time there been and evolved since you started? Yeah, great question. So um, I have been, I have known just being involved in sports. I've known about elite speed and sports performance. You know, we did not have access to that type of training. Did you have anything like that growing up as an athlete? No. And, you know, we were talking with, um, on another one of these episodes, that's, um, as of the recording of this already live, um, with a youth running coach, Simon Escorcia. And we yes. talked about how I think the average fitness level of the average kid, teenager or whatever now is probably less than it was when I was growing up yeah. because of what you said, you know, we're, you know, we were talking about zoom classes, but we're sitting around on phones and computers and iPads and stuff so much um, that I think the average activity level for people has probably dropped, but the top end activity level and talent level and skill and all this stuff is probably higher because of the things that are available and access. Like I didn't know people that were working with, you know, personal trainers and specialized coaches, like, I wasn't working with like a quarterback coach outside right. of my normal, you know, football team that I was on type of thing. So no, to answer your question. And, yeah. and honestly, even if that stuff was available, like maybe it was, 
I don't think we probably were in maybe like a financial situation or, or whatever for me to even like do that anyways. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I don't think that stuff was nearly as readily available as it is today. Yeah. 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 Same with me. So warm up for us was running two laps around the tennis court right. and then like the static quad stretch, right? Like that was like, Hey, mm-hmm. we're wanting now let's go play and run around. So, um, elite speed. So when I first started, I, I actually spent a couple of weeks just, you know, sort of shadowing and, and spending time at the uh, facility, watching the trainers, um, asking them a million questions. I'm a big, <laughs> I have become a good, uh, trained observer. Um, I yeah. asked a lot of questions <laughs> and I, um, learned from, I love to learn. So um, I one of the first things I noticed was that with the interaction between the trainers and the athletes and yep. it being very relational and um, them taking ownership, having kids take ownership of their training. So I, I would see trainers um, or performance specialists saying, hey, um, uh, you know, Lily, Lillian, what are we uh, what block are we in? You know, and she would say, oh, we're in power block. Like what what period? You know, and they would ask them what you know, what way do you do on a trap bar deadlift? And she would say. 135, you know, they need to take ownership of that. So I noticed that first of all, and I thought that was very important because I think um, it's important for people, especially youth athletes to take ownership of their training and their performance in their entire yeah. um, career of athletics. So, and then just like enjoyment of training. So yeah. there's two things that, you know, I think are important. One, they need to enjoy training for, for what they're doing. That, that's going to get enjoying it for the moment of uh, that they're in for that specific performance goal, but also for life so that they can be, a. Yeah. Um, you know, a mom and beyond in their entire life and be comfortable in a gym, um, yep. enjoy it and have that, you know, be part of their lifestyle and then get results. Like, right. I mean, everybody trains hard to get results. So if they're coming there to improve their softball game and their speed and acceleration, they should be, you know, we should be programming them to get there. And we're not just running them around. We're not just like, let's just wear them out. Like the, what's the plan for that? Yeah. You know? So, and I know that's a really big thing for you, um, you all as well, like having a plan. Yeah, you, yeah. you've got to have a plan because um, so many people, and I still see this in, you know, in society and in community, so many people think that, you know, in order to have a quality workout, quality exercise, you just have to like breathe really heavy and sweat, sweat. a lot. And, right and that means that you've had a great workout. And that's yeah. not necessarily the case at yeah. all, right? Like yeah. you could have a phenomenal workout minimally raising your heart rate, minimally yes. sweating. It could be an amazing workout. It just depends what the plan is and like, what are you training for type yes. of thing? Um, so yeah, yeah, you're, you're totally right. Yeah. So, so I would see, so the second thing I saw was, you know, that, that level of mentorship and ownership and then specific exercises. So they would be doing, you know, putting a towel on an athlete's head and moving it so that they can get neck muscle control so that they prevent concussions. Like that is purposeful work. That's not just running around. And then, you know, the, the trick high school football player gets a concussion that weekend like that. That's not so, so very sport specific exercise, but um, kind of moving back a little bit was I have been learning so much about movement and I know that's big for you guys, but we are a very movement based, you know, sports performance company organization. Um, So we teach kids how to move, like how to, um, how to start moving on there, you know, with a skips and, and pogo, you know, pogos and things where they just know how to move and control their body. And literally you cannot play sports without the foundation of movement. Um, and that's big for, for us is just foundation, you Mm -hmm. know, and I I know, I know you all believe the same thing is like, if you're trying to get to this certain level or this goal, but you do not have, you have a poor foundation, you will never get there Yeah, and, or you will get hurt (laughs) on the way. So um, foundation of movement, you know, lots of, um, you know, skips and, and uh, lateral movement, linear. So we do a lot of excel- speed and acceleration. That's really big um, for us, um, all starting from movement, speed and acceleration, change of direction and decel. And that's really big for injury prevention. Mm-hmm. So not only are we training them for their sport, but we are training them to be to, so they can train hard, but also properly, yeah. you know, and good biomechanics. And that is mm-hmm. foundational. Yeah. And I want to dive into that. I'm going to pause this really quick. Um, We will be right back. (laughs) What's going on, Code listeners? Dr. Andrew Fix here. And I want to tell you about our friends at Element. Element makes a tasty electrolyte drink with everything that you need and nothing that you don't. That means the science-backed electrolyte ratio of sodium, potassium, and magnesium, and none of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. And that's why I use it. I've been taking Element for two years now, and I absolutely love the stuff, and I wouldn't want to exercise without it. 
For all of you code listeners and friends of Physio Room, Elements offered a special to you guys, and I want you to take advantage of it. Go ahead and visit drinkelement.com slash physioroom. That's drinklmnt.com slash physioroom to receive that special offer. You're going to get a free variety pack with any purchase that you place. And uh, I can't wait to hear what you guys think about it. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, guys. So, Kristen, you're totally right with with this concept of like, you know, if you want to perform at a high level, you want youth athletes or whoever it is to perform and be really good, you've got to start with a really solid foundation. And that's something that we are really passionate about. I know that's something the gym that we're in is really passionate about. And I hear the coaches out here say um, in their in their owner, you know, like we need to help you master the basics. And if we can make you a better mover mm-hmm. and get you better at doing basic human movements, squatting, hinging, yes. deadlifts, like all this stuff, we can make you a better mover. We can typically translate it that into you're going to become a better athlete because yes. you're just better at moving and better at performing. And that will translate to literally practically everything. Everything. Right. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And especially for the younger athletes, just getting, you know, starting with good body control, you know, yeah. when they're, you know, as when they're at a younger age, their arms are all over the place. So let's like focus on getting your arms in control, like these little things yeah. that if you, you know, sure, we could have an athlete come in and we could run them all over the turf and wear them out and send them home sweaty and hot. But like you're still pronating and your your knees are coming in. You know, we have a lot of kids whose knees come in on the spot. Yeah. We gotta fix that first yep. before we start adding a barbell. That's you know, right. Can you imagine? So um, that's really big for us, foundation. And you know, I, I know you've talked about that with physical therapy, with saying, you know, if you're not sleeping well and eating well and taking care of yourself at a foundational level, all the hypervolts and recovery tools in the world are not gonna help yeah. you. That's just that's secondary. Yeah. So, yeah, and we are the same way. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That stuff is there and it's useful. Um, but you've got to master the basics first because you can't, yeah, you can't massage out your way out of like a terrible lifestyle or getting two, three, four hours of sleep a night. You're not going to make up yes. with that through yes. supplements and through saunas and ice baths and all this stuff. It's just right. not possible. That's not how the human body is designed. And definitely not optimal. For no. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Definitely not optimal. Yeah. Um, okay. So when you are working with athletes at elite speed, um, you just mentioned like people squatting and their knees are caving in and type of things. And, and, you know, you probably shouldn't load them up with a barbell until you make sure their, their form and their technique is good. What are some of the things that, um, that you end up seeing the most that you guys try to like correct and improve in these youth athletes movement patterns? That's a good question. So um, just the other day I had, we do a free performance um, assessments for athletes. So they come in, we watch them run and move and squat and do all the things. And we look at them to videos and all that. And there was a, um, a young lacrosse player, um, a boy, 13 year old boy. And he, his running start position was so hunched over. And that's so common because like we talked about earlier with kids and people on their phones, you probably see that in physical therapy. We are looking down all the time. So kids, I've been guilty of that. Yes. So, so we see that a lot. So we correcting that, um, start that posture, right. Um, getting them to stand up straight, chest tall, chest out, um, arms tight, you know, keeping everything. Um, and we do see, um, uh, very weak posterior chain. Yeah. Um, that is very common. So we train a lot posterior chain glutes, hamstrings, yep. tons of hamstrings for athletes. Um, even calves, you know, we do a lot of exercises, uh, three-way calf raises, you know, in yeah. out of those, um, that doesn't look like much, but it is re- it's also, it's improving, um, or helping reduce injury, knee injury. Yeah. Um, so all of those things. So I would say like, Yes. Posture, keeping them, you know, really, really control body control tight. Yeah. Now I'm like, I'm like I'm as I sit up straight, that's right. <laughs> um, so they're not hunched over and then good forward acceleration. You know, some kids are leaning back um, and then posterior chain, really training that posterior chain. So those are, what, yeah. but, but we, we do, like you said, you know, life, life strength, right? Like squatting, deadlifting, pull, push, pull, carry yep. squat, hinge. That's some it, of my, right? that's, if you don't know what to work out, like you said, go in there and focus on those movements. Yeah. Some <laughs> of my favorite things, check out the code to strength training episode. That's exactly what Chris yes. was talking about. Um, just do the things that you have to do in life and do it with weight and do it consistently. And you typically will see that improve and you'll see that carry over to your performance outside the gym or, or wherever you're training. Um, yes. yeah, that posterior yes. chain stuff that you said is, it's kind of like a hot, I don't know, hot topic or a sexy, uh, term out there. Mm-hmm. You got to train the posterior chain. But what I see happen so often, what I like is that you said is that you guys do an assessment um, and then whatever that assessment shows, that's the stuff that you help the athlete address. 
is because I see so much of whether it's on social media or whether it's, you know, in a clinic or something where people just get given certain things to do because of what they say is bothering them without even like an assessment. Like, like I heard this from a, from a a functional medicine provider recently, she's having like arm pain and elbow pain. And she's one of my clients. And she said she had gone to physical therapy before. And they basically just gave her some like, you know, basic rotator cuff exercises to do without like a real thorough, like, why are you having this pain in the first place so that we can figure out how to help you address it? They were just like, Oh yeah, your shoulders weak here, do these and they'll get better. And she's like, well, it didn't get better. And that's why she ended up seeking out treatment in, uh, in our office. But I was working with a, um, uh, a student athlete who's like probably very similar to the types that you work with regularly yesterday in the clinic. She's uh, 13, I believe, in middle school, plays soccer. And she came into our office with ankle pain. Mm-hmm. So she comes in. Um, she had played, I think it was on a Friday or a Saturday. I think it was a Saturday. She played a soccer game. And then through driving home for that game, her ankle was like, starting to really bother her, but she played fine. She didn't remember like, you know, rolling it or spraining it or doing anything like that. But after the game, she's having like all this pain. So the next day, uh, her father reached out to me like Andrews, she's having ankle pain. Um, they just got back from like urgent care or the emergency room or something. And they basically just said, you know, they did an x-ray came back negative. They basically put her on a pair of crutches and said, you need to stay off your ankle, this and that. And, um, so I think it was maybe Monday, like we were able to work her into the schedule in the clinic, got her in. And it seemed like she was having like peroneal tendonitis type of symptoms, yeah. the tendons that go down on the outside of her ankle um, that had gotten irritated probably in her game. Maybe she would have like slightly rolled it, but she didn't have any like swelling or anything like that. But through an assessment, what I pretty much ended up telling her and her father is, you know, your pain is at your ankle and we need to strengthen your ankle. but your hip is really, I think, where the issue is coming from, yeah. right? Your hip is weak on this one side compared to the other. This particular girl, she has a lot of mobility. Like she moves really well. Yeah. Um, she has, even as a 13 year old, she has like very visibly um, strong and defined quad muscles, yeah. but along the posterior chain relative to her anterior chain, she's weak. She's weak. Yeah. Right. And especially on that left side that she's having the pain. So, you know, her ankle pain went away super fast. Um, we had talked about ankle braces and things, but, you know, I sort of really told her dad, like, you know, I think we need to train further up the chain yeah, to get this to go away, address the hip, prevent you from having knee injuries because of course, ankle injuries are bad, but I don't want her to, you know, tear her ACL or, or something. Um, yeah. it's very common in, in female soccer. Yes. So, um, so anyways, we're just addressing the things that we found in our assessment but so often, I think if she would have gone to another place that didn't have the time to do this really thorough assessment, she probably would have just given some, gotten given some basic ankle exercises here, use this band, do these calf stretches. And that probably would have helped her symptoms, but it wouldn't have addressed the issue the that cause. she's actually having right. because her ankle, quite frankly, moves pretty well. It's actually decently strong. And I think she's just feeling symptoms there because of a lacking dysfunction somewhere else. Right. right? So really unpeeling the onion to yeah. like the, the core. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, and you know, we do a lot of glute bridge um, for our athletes. They hate it, right? It's boring. They're like on their back and they just like, but that is such an important foundational move yeah. movement for them to get strong and, and just be strong in the glutes and hamstrings. So yeah. it's similar. I think a lot of, of athletes are weak in their hips mm-hmm. and glutes. So yeah, I think so many people, whether you're an athlete or not, um, the chances are you're probably weak in your glutes, yeah. your hips, hip flexors are often weak. Right. So many people feel tight or, you know, they feel like they need to stretch their hip flexors. They probably need to strengthen them. We spend so much time, whether it's uh, in cars, sitting in traffic or commuting to, to your place of work or in school, sitting down either yeah. in person or zoom, um, you know, we're sitting in chairs right now. That's not a optimal position for function for our hips, for us to be upright and moving and propelling ourselves around um, this seated position really like is something that we need to train out of and train away from. That's a really good point. That's another thing you asked what we, you know, focus on. And that's another thing is kids are sitting. Well, we all are sitting a lot, you know, so that is so shortened you know, the hip flexors. So getting them when they come to training, like we run them through almost the same warm up every single time for a few reasons. One, it's very effective. We're getting, we're specifically targeting those areas that they've been, that they, you know, they've been sitting all day or hunched over or whatnot. Um, 
and also because we want them to learn how to warm up so that when they're on the field or the court at a tournament, they are like, oh yeah, this is what I do. I do this five minute warm up that I've done a million times over at elite speed. Yeah. This is my warm up, and it's like innate, right? Like they know how to do it, and yeah. they take ownership of that. So um, we run them through a warm up that really helps with that sitting from that sitting position. Yeah, and let's dive into that just a little bit um, for the people that are um, listening to this about like what components make up a good warm up program. Because you had mentioned, you know, like when you were growing up, yeah. it was like, oh, let me do these static quad stretches right. and, and then go out there. You did your like mile run around the field and okay, static yeah. quad stretch. Now go try to play and sprint. But that's not what we would advocate for for a nice thorough warm up now. So like what types right. of things? Um, would you tell someone are like components of a proper warm-up program to do before their activity? That's a great question. So um, I, we are really you know, big on like a dynamic warm-up, right? Mm-hmm. So where we are moving, our you know, joint is moving through a full range of motion while we're getting our heart rate up. And really the important thing is getting blood flow through the body. So yep. getting your blood flowing, that's what's going to help you, um, you know, perform and, and into the movements that you're going to be doing. So we kind of start with a dynamic warm-up, you know, leg raises and getting that hip flexor moving, um, you know, really engaging the quad. And, you know, we're very specific and detailed about like doing it right, not just like getting sloppy about it, but like teaching yeah. them how to do it properly yep. um, and taking, taking, you know, paying attention to those details. Um, so a dynamic warm-up, um, like some um, we do a lot of like open hip mountain climber, things like that, that really get those hips open. We do glute bridge warm-up. Um, we do a, like a lateral lunge rotations, you know, moving in a rotationally multi-directional. Yep. Um, we do high, high kicks to kind of get those hamstring, hamstring scoops. So while they're walking, like a good walking warm-up is good. Kids, soccer players can do that on the field before their games, yep. you know, walk from, you know, 10, 10 yards. That's all you need. 10 yards, um, walk hamstring scoops, um, high kicks, quad pulls while you're reaching kind of moving things, um, while you're warming up. Yeah. So that's, is that how you. Yeah, absolutely. You no, I, I think that answer is great. And I, you know, you still sort of see sometimes the, like, in a big group setting, usually this like static holding yes. positions, which for anyone listening to this, you know, what the research would show, what injury, um, prevention research and everything would show what most coaches and physical therapists or anything like that is going to advocate for minimizing the amount of static, like holding of stretches that you do for a warm up or preparatory thing for your activity. You want to do dynamic things like Kristen just said, things where you are moving through ranges of motion with control, not just like flailing your legs around. Right. Um, and all the things that she just said, like getting your heart rate up, trying to promote some blood flow to warm up the tissues and warm up the body dynamically move and, you know, simulate the types of activities that you are, you're going to be doing right. Like your activity or your warm up. excuse me, should be like somewhat, um, what's the word I'm looking for, um, appropriate or, or, you know, for the geared towards what you're about to do. Like, yeah, like, like out here in the gym, you know, I'm going to be doing a workout today that involves like deadlifts and lower body and posterior chain. Like we were just talking about driven activities. My warm up for today is probably going to look a little different than my warm up did on Wednesday, where I did bench press and chin ups and more of an upper body based based workout. My warm up will look just a little bit different, right. and I'm sure you guys do the same thing. And then, um, you know, one other thing that I like to throw into warm ups is some form of like a core or a trunk musculature, like bracing and breathing practice, yeah. because we want people to have their core and their midsection musculature engaged and involved in whatever the activities that you're doing. Right, that's one, important. Yeah. One thing that I always remember seeing people do in the gym, and I used to be one of these people is, you know, you would go through a little warm up, you do your workout. And then at the end, you'd like lay down on a mat and do a bunch of ab exercises yeah, time for five minute abs. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. Well, and I like to do that totally the other way around now. I don't even very often ever do like ab exercises that much anymore. I just like to get my core active and recruited at the beginning of my workout so that I make sure I'm utilizing those muscles during, during my training. Then I might do some like isolated, you know, training for my abdominals or my stabilizers of my spine, Yeah, but not nearly as much as I used to, used to do. Yeah, for sure. And I feel stronger now than I did then. And, did then. and I don't even do that stuff. No, that's a really good point. And warming that up or getting those, um, engaged and, yeah. and that's, and, or, uh, muscle activation. That's what I'm trying yeah. to say. Yeah. So muscle activation is huge. So we do like 
the bird dog and the, sure. the you know, uh, dead bug type of thing, like getting yeah. them to, to really learn how to brace. You have to teach that. Um, but then I agree with you. I think when you're squatting, if, if you're bracing properly, you are getting a core workout. Totally. I always yeah. tell my people that when I, I do a live workout with my team once a week and I'm like, I promise you, if you're contracting your core um, and learning how to do that, and you have to, you know, practice that while you're deadlifting, you're going to build core muscles, yep. you know? Um, so, and I always point out that like having a strong core is different than having a six pack. Like we're talking functional strength, like right. where you're training your back and you're, you know, where you um, don't reach behind to like grab something from the back seat and you tweak your back because you're strong, yep. you're, you know? So uh, anyway, there's a difference between that aesthetically and between having a strong core yeah. and being sports performance. We're about strong, being strong for performing. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. How often, you know, people, Sometimes you'll see a picture or a video maybe of someone who has like a really defined um, core, like a really defined six pack or whatever, like take like a, like a high level CrossFit athlete, right? right. Who's, who's performing really highly at like the CrossFit games. How often do you see these guys or ladies like down on the floor doing crunches? Yeah. Like that's not what they do in their training and they still have that. They're doing snatches. Yeah. yeah. They're doing like full functional uh, type of movements. Yeah. And, sure. um, you know, and on that six pack piece anyways, like six pack muscles are not just made in the gym, right? right? Like if you want to aesthetically have, have that definition, there are a lot of other things that go into it, yes. right? You have to have your body fat percentage be particularly low in order yes. to really be defined and see that. And there's so much in your sleep, your nutrition, your hydration, and your training, like all that stuff that goes into that. It's not just what you do. It's doing not just, yeah. It's a lot of nutrition. Yeah. Yeah. So much, so much. Yeah. Um, we always used to say, uh, you know, six packs are made in the kitchen, not in the gym. <laughs> so true. It's so true. hundred mm-hmm. percent. So yeah. So, so really training, um, that core for sure is very, very important. Yeah. So we focus on that as well. And awesome. then, you know, moving into like kind of the, the, you know, the foundation of movement, um, really good warm up, And then, you know, we go into speed acceleration, change of direction, injury prevention, and then sports specific exercises. So, yep. you know, arm stuff for, um, volleyball players overhead for baseball players, um, you know, getting them strong, you know, a foundational strength in yeah. their squats and deadlifts and all that. We do a lot of RDLs. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So that's kind of our, that's how we, how we train. Yeah. I like it. And then having them enjoy it, get results. And then really the big thing for us is like a community, having a community. I love this part. Um, we have college athletes. We even sometimes have professional athletes that come and train at the facility. And then we have a nine-year-old. Yeah. Like they're all in the same community. That's awesome. And like that mentorship, like not only like trainer to trainer and trainer to athlete, but athlete to athlete um, yeah. is a really special place to be. I, I would have loved to have that access to that other sports. Like it's good to get out of your own sport, Yeah, be around lacrosse players when you're a soccer player and, um, you know, high school seniors, when you're a middle school, 13 year old, it's like, Oh my gosh, one day I want to do that. So I love that part of the community. Yeah. And you know, the amount of, um, benefit that there is to that is so hard to quantify, but it's, it's phenomenal, right? Like having that community and, and when you have that, it provides you an amazing support system. Right. Right. So, and that's kind of where I want to like steer this conversation a little bit of, you know, in my life and many people that I have the opportunity to work with and in your life, you know, when we're playing sports and we're trying to perform and we're training, unfortunately, it's inevitable that at some point there's probably going to be an injury that either you sustain or someone that, you know, sustains. And when you have that like support system around you to be able to like work through that and deal with that, it's so much easier and you're not just feeling like alone. Yes, for sure. Mm -hmm. No, I think the community piece is really important too, as far as, you know, people always ask like, how do we, how do I become disciplined? And that's a question you get all the time. And it's like, put yourself in a disciplined environment with athletes. Like if you want to become a better athlete, surround yourself with really great athletes. It's, it's, you know, the whole, um, you become, you know, who you're surrounded by. And that is, um, these kids are working hard towards goals. Like, playing in college or even just making the the varsity team, you know, in high school. And when you surround yourself with others with similar goals and discipline and the same lifestyle, then you're going to continue to grow. So that's a, that's a big piece of it. Yeah. Yeah. That that's hundred percent true. Your environment is so strongly tied to like how you perform, how you act, what you do, decisions you make and all that. Um, Well, so if you're catching this episode with Kristen, 
um, on audio. You, of course, can't see this on video. You might be able to see this. But, um, Kristen, you've gone through a, a somewhat recent injury and are going through a rehab process yourself. And we just started sort of started talking about, like, you know, having an injury, having a support system. And I would love to know, as someone who's had injuries myself and had, you know, multiple orthopedic surgeries and things, I definitely feel like that gives me a perspective or changes how I communicate with clients because in some respects I've been in their shoes, right? You know, it might've been a different surgery or different injury, or we have different life situations, but I've gone through the process myself. And now you're going through the process yourself. You had, you had mentioned you broke your foot um, a few minutes back, but how, how has like this process of you having an ACL injury, um, you know, sort of like change the way that you communicate with people that you're working with or are able to like relate to them. Could you like walk us through that? Sure. Just a little bit? Yeah, that's, that's, um, so it's interesting. So when I started working with elite at elite speed, I remember asking one of the trainers, like, I know you guys work with a lot of post injury athletes, like getting them back to playing their sport after they're finished with their physical therapy. Um, I, I felt like, Oh, I don't know. Like that feels intimidating to me. Like I don't want them to get re-injured and I don't really have the skills for that yet. Um, and, uh, really they were saying, you know, we train strength, like we don't avoid these, like we don't avoid the, these exercises, we get stronger. Like we're going to like walk into this and like get them stronger. Not just like say, well, I guess you probably shouldn't do CrossFit anymore Ugh. for James, or you shouldn't play bait or shouldn't ski anymore, but like, let's get stronger. And so that we can do that. And I know yeah. that's a big thing for you guys. So that being said, I remember when I got injured, I was like, well, this wasn't exactly what I had in mind to go through this so that I could gain the skills to coach somebody as a post-injury, but here I am. So, yeah. um, you know, when I got this injury, like I definitely, it was a very humbling experience. Like injuries happen. Like we can do all we can to be strong and do all the recovery and do the, the right things. Um, and they still happen. They still happen. We're, we're active and like, it just is part of life unless you're sitting on the couch. <laughs> right. I mean, it's just like anything else, right? Like accidents, accidents happen. You, yes. you could be like the best driver in the world yes. and you'd be really safe and you may find yourself in a car accident. And it's like, a situation that like, you know, you can't prevent everything, unfortunately. Yes. So yeah, you're totally right. So I spent the first, you know, week or so feeling sorry for myself and thinking, what a fluke. Like this was such a fluke. I just fell. I'm a good skier. I'm very, very confident on the slopes. And then what this is, and then, you know, this moment happened where I was like, I, I changed my mindset from being this happened to me, like to saying like, this happened for me. Like I have to use this. Like I have to use this as a tool, like another tool in my tool belt, yep. so to speak to, to move forward and walk the talk. Say like, I've always telling you like, you know, overcome your, you know, adversity and that don't let that thing take you down. And here I am, like, am I going to be able to do that? And so leading that leading by example, by saying, I'm going to have to take this by the horns and put the work in, it's going to be freaking hard, but yeah. I'm, it's going to be worth it. And then I'm just like learning every little bit about this ACL journey. I am taking, I'm, you know, I interviewed James, yeah. I'm trying to take it all in so that I can help people with it. Yeah. And that is giving me purpose and courage through it um, is having that like, and that, that goal, that's kind of long-term strategy is like, mm -hmm. I'm just get, taking this as part of my story, which I would really rather not have. Like, sure. I, that this is not easy, but I'm using it to, you know, help others yeah. and, and become a better trainer. Yeah. Honestly, we have a lot of kids who I see, I walk into the, the facility and um, there's like a 16 year old in a brace. I'm like ACL. Yeah. Meniscus. You know, we, yeah. we do this. This is, this happens. Kids get knee injuries. So yeah, you get uh, knee injuries are really common. And um, you know, so often depending on like what the type of knee injury is, we end up telling people a lot, like when it's one of these overuse type of injuries, mm -hmm. often knee pain is not stemming from the knee it's often something stemming else. from like the root cause something mm -hmm. else like a you know lack of ankle range of motion or hip yeah. stability or mobility or whatever but you know in a case like this there's trauma directly to the knee right your skiing your tear your acl yeah. and um yeah injuries bond people together um yeah. you know I've, I've seen that with my own story in the in the clinic and i don't even know if i've shared this on on this podcast or not but sometimes i'll have a um an adult here in the office who maybe has had like a hip surgery or something. Yeah. And, you know, and then I share with them, you know, like I've had four hip surgeries four hip and surgeries. I've had an ankle surgery and um, you know, my story 
potentially could have been prevented if I would have known some of the things that I know now, but um, I'll bore you the details, but, um, or spare you the details, but, um, you know, it just like helps me create a little bit of a connection with that Mm -hmm. person because they look at me and they're like, whoa, I didn't know that you had hip surgery. You're like, you know, 30 years, 31 years old. They're like, wow, what'd you have hip surgery from? And then it just like, I don't know. I share that little piece of information with them. And then we turn the story back to them because it's, you know, it's their time, not mine, but just to like connect with them a little bit better. Cause like yeah. you said, it's relational. It's not yes. just like a transactional type of thing, Yeah. but, um, but yeah, you're able to create bonds with people through like shared, shared, shared experiences so, or shared suffering. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's a really, that's a good point. And I, I would say that there are a lot of times, you know, just through this coaching experience, I've, I run into people a lot who are like, Oh, I used to be this. I used to do CrossFit. I used to run marathons. I used to, and then they had the thing. I always call it like that one thing, right? It was an injury. It was a surgery. It was COVID. It was a divorce. It was a something, right? And that thing like derailed them, right? And like a lot of times it's having kids. You know, people are like, well, I was really in shape before I had kids. Yeah. And yeah. And a lot of people think that like once you turn 40, well, it's just downhill from there. Like I just, I'll never perform well. Again. I probably shouldn't be running. Like people say like, it's hard on your joints. And like, I think, no, like we, it doesn't have to be that way. Like you mm-hmm. can go through those things and turn it around. And even yeah. James said this, when I talked to him about it, it was like, he became more fit than ever after his ACL. Yeah. And I know that's not everybody's story, but like, you don't have to let that one thing take you down, you know, and especially, I I especially hear this a lot, you know, at this like 40 years old is that like, I think people always assume that like your best physical, mental, even occupation, whatever is behind is behind. Yeah. And that's just not the case. Like, I think that's a lie we believe, but we, um, okay, sure. We have to work a little harder, but but it's worth it. Like yep. it's worth it to overcome that. Like you're worth it to, to come to not let that one thing take you down, you know? Yeah. So that was, you know, with the injury, I was like, God, I got, I got a couple ways I can deal with this. You know, either I'm like, well, you know, and there were some people that were like, you know, you don't have to have surgery. You could just, you know, rehab it and, and not ski and not run and not, and that's not, yeah. that's not who I am. Yeah. I'm not going to just take that road because it's easier. Yep. So yeah, you're totally right. Well, of course you're preaching to the choir here with me. Um, I I've had a lot of those same, um, directives, if you will, like same things told to me when I was having like hip surgeries and stuff. Uh, so often someone goes, whether it's to the, the physician's office, the doctor or whatever, and they're like, Oh, my shoulder hurts when I do this. And they're told, well, just, you know, if you just avoid that, that, then right. it won't hurt. Um, and that is absolutely not the way that you deal with things. Just like, you mm-hmm. know, dealing with conflict with another person, the way to deal with it is not to just like, Oh, sweep it under the rug yeah. or go gossip with your friends, or your coworkers and talk about people behind their back. Like the way, the way to handle it is through it and, yes. you know, deal with the Even conflict. It's hard. It's harder, right? It is harder to, um, in, you know, in the case of like my hip surgeries and stuff, you know, I was told, well, maybe you should stop heavy squatting or squatting as deeply right. or whatever. And currently I am, um, closing in hopefully on like trying to get back to what my squat PR was when I was 19 or 20 years old in really? college. I've been able to, you know, deadlift, deadlift PRs that are heavier than I've ever done before. Just like you said with James and I have no doubt that, you know, you'll have a similar story of like through the training and through the the hustle and the grind and the hard work, like get back to and potentially surpass like fitness levels that you were at before. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, it's important to remember that like that like a lot of people see, like, see James, like with the, you know, what his, his recent, you know, (laughs) CrossFit games and all that. And, but they didn't see like all the the things and like every morning, like people like, wow, you're walking and doing so well. And you look, and like, I wake up every day and I have to like, like, it's like concrete in my knee and I have to like massage it. And it's not comfortable. And I have to, and it starts there. And right. Like I, people, wow, your range of motion is so good after two weeks. It's because I focused all my effort on getting the inflammation and pain down immediately. Cause without, infl- with, without, with swelling, I can't get range of motion. Yeah. So you got to start there. So what do we need to do? Like, it's just about dialing it into those details, right? Yeah. Like get the kneecap moving, then get the inflammation down. Okay. Now we can move the knee. You literally can't squat if you can't move your knee. Right. Okay. So let's yeah. move the knee. Now we can squat. Hey, you can't run without walking. I work on walking all the time. Yeah. Like walk. I literally pace walk backwards, forwards. And yeah. people see that ultimate thing. They're like, wow, oh my gosh, you did that thing. And I want to be like, 
you didn't see all those little things I did. Yeah. That like, it was monotonous. Like, I do not want to sit there and rub my knee every morning, mm-hmm. but I do it. Cause I know it'll get me where I want to go. Yeah. So. And that just goes back to that. Like, um, I know one of the things like you keep mentioning James who had his own knee story, uh, knee injury and recovery story. One of the things that drives him is wanting to set the example for his clients. Like he wants to live in such a way that he is walking the walk, you know, not just talking it. And I know you're the same way. And that's basically exactly what you're talking about. Like I've got to put in the work, but people don't always see that stuff. Yeah. The little details. Mm -hmm, Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. And that's a big thing for me with just being a mom and, and, you know, I'm 43 and a lot of people think like, at 40, I just, that, that's, that's when I just, or after I have kids, like I, that's just the end of my physical peak. Like I can't be optimal mm-hmm. health or anything. You know, like it's normal to have headaches and be extremely fatigued and all of these things. It doesn't have to be normal. Just like you say, pain doesn't have to be normal. You don't right. have to live with pain. Um, you can become like, it takes work. Sure. You got to step into that process and get after it, but um, it's possible. And I feel like I, that's my, that's one of my missions to, to, to be that person that's leading that example in, you know, for other moms who have had kids, like, I know it's hard to come back from that, you know? So, and also like, as we get older, like our joints don't move as well, but we can help them move better. If we can do things to be better. Absolutely. One little piece at a time, one day after another, just keep stacking those like little wins back to back to back and have a, you know, snowball effect or a domino effect in a positive way. To like just keep moving the needle. Yes, forward. like what does um James Clear and Atomic Habits says the aggregation of marginal gains. That mm-hmm. I'm literally living that right now. Yep. I'm like, if I can get one percent more range of motion, that's okay. Yeah, that's today. Tomorrow, one more percent, mm-hmm. and all that adds up to like you're running again and yeah. sprinting. Great, but, great book, Atomic Habits. If book. you have not read it, go read it or listen to it. Um, and great you book. put some of those little action steps into place. Um, definitely very helpful. Yeah. Great so, well, this, this has been awesome. And it's great that I have my schedule laid out today that as we wrap up this conversation, I have a workout planned because I'm like really motivated to go out there All and right. do it right now. Um, after, you got your post your chain. That's right, right. After, after talking to you, but, um, but Kristen, uh, I've asked this question a few times to, to other people and to put you on the spot just a little bit. Um, like the title of this show is called the code, right? A guide to health and human performance. So of, Growing up as an athlete, you know, working through your own fitness journey, injuries, like all this stuff, um, being a parent, what would you tell someone like, is like kind of like your summary of like, what is your key point or like, what's your code in guiding someone to health and wellness? Like, what are like your key areas of like, this is what you should do to, to optimize your health and human performance? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, so I would say, and actually one of our, the managing partner at Elite Speed just asked me the other day, he's like, what, what, keep, like, how do you stay, you know, motivated and in shape, like continuous through your life? And I was like, gosh, you know, I actually, she, we were talking to a golfer, a professional golfer that was there, had a horrible, really, really hard loss. And, you know, I thought about it and I was like, you know what, you have to use your losses and your failures, like to your advantage. Yeah. And that, I, I think I would dial it down to that. Like, I will never forget the really, and maybe you have these two, the really devastating losses. Oh, like, I, can, I remember so many. Oh, yeah. I was, I remember sobbing outside of the Denver tennis club after I lost the state championship and I played horrible. Everything just went like, I remember, I will never forget that because it hurt. It stung. But yeah. like, if you decide to use that, like I, that fueled me like yeah. to become better. Like I got out there the next day and I was like, I will never double fault on that match point again that will never happen to me again i'll never let that if it's in my goal i practice oh my gosh i hit a million serves that summer because i was like that will never happen again so if you use your failures and same with the you know the, the the injuries um those losses and those failures like they are going to come if you're living life, like they're mm-hmm. going to happen. Um, but using those to fuel you to become better. Yep. Um, and then just trying to work on that every day. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. That is a, that's a great summary. Um, so everybody listen to this, go out there and do what I call fail forward. Yes. Right? Failures are going to happen. Yes. Injuries are going to happen. Like stuff is out of our control. We can't control every circumstance. And especially in the context of like sports and competition, you know, the other people that we're competing against, they're working hard too, and they're training hard too. And sometimes the, the breaks are going to go their way instead of our way. And, um, but if you just keep using those to mm-hmm. move forward, um, yes. that's, that is awesome advice. Yes. Yes. 
Thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, as we work to like wrap this up, what I want to do is make sure that people know how they can get a hold of you if they want to like follow your story or get in contact with you or anything like that. So whether it's from an elite speed standpoint or from a fit and fuel standpoint, how can someone get in touch with you um, if they want to? So I probably through Instagram, you know, um, my Instagram handle is Kristen Jones underscore 22. I didn't have anything too creative at the time, I guess. Where'd the 22 (laughs) come from? Oh, that's my birthday. Okay. There you go. (laughs) Um, So that's my Instagram. I also do have a website that has um, a little bit of everything. My coaching, the app I use for coaching plus elite speed, a little bit of everything. So I have that. And then, um, you know, if, if there, if you're an athlete, in um Colorado and you want to come to the facility we do do free performance assessments and that um is through Elite Speed's website come in look at the facility check it out we'll run you through a um an assessment and uh see if that might be a good fit so those are probably the three best ways awesome yeah awesome it's simple enough you'll find out all that information in the show notes as well so you can get in touch with Kristen if you would like to um to everybody that tuned in to listen to this episode of the code Thank you so much for being here. Um, check out this episode on you know all the different podcast platforms on the internet, on our YouTube channel, wherever that might be. But we really appreciate you guys tuning in with Kristen Jones. Thanks again for being here. Thank you. And we'll catch you guys next time on The Code. Thank you all so right. much.